What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Internet Home Podcast. 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 Hey, dude, man. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. If you're listening, I mean, things are going to be a bit different. We don't. Uh, I don't live in Calgary anymore, so. Yeah, this this guy, you know, thinks he's too good for Calgary. I mean, I mean, it's kind of a dream for everybody who lives in Calgary. Yeah, I'm out in, in the Okanagan now, so indefinitely. But we'll see how it goes. We'll have to make uh, some trips for some home games, or maybe we'll just uh, have to start going to Vancouver and Seattle and Arizona. Well, what's the close? Is there a close junior? Like, what's the closest? I'm trying to think of like, is there is a clo- where uh, well, Philly Vancouver, is? I think Philly. Because I was thinking, like, I guess like back in the day when the when the Heat were in Abbotsford, that would be not close, right. but close yeah. enough. So, but I'm not. You think I'm going to make trips to Abbotsford with the Heat? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Forget about it. All right. So today, right. what's today? So, Friday. Uh, we, we today is Friday, more... and it's kind of some sh- shitty news Friday. Every day, there's always some COVID madness getting thrown at you. It's like just when so you think everything's is... over, it's, it's not. So, Mr. Mustache. Thanks, Mr. Mustache. He had to go. He was probably getting a mustache ride, eh? He was probably getting, getting like, hair plugs because he's going bald. He was given a mustache ride while getting hair plug <laughs> extensions and contracted COVID. Austin Matthews. Yeah, so, so he was conf- confirmed today by Steve Simmons. I don't know how Simmons managed to get this scoop because Steve Simmons is an idiot. But, yeah, apparently it's been confirmed that Austin Matthews contracted COVID. Well, this is what we're going to see. I would not be surprised like because now this is going to be the thing. Like There's going to be, what, weekly probably bi-weekly testing of players now that everybody's reconjoining yeah well even like is that the is that the case do you know was he back in toronto and that's kind of the first wave of testing they've done and now they're figuring out who's who already has it to start with well as far as i know i don't think he's i don't think he's back in toronto oh okay because what i what i was what i was reading that just literally came out like an hour ago was that it's, he has tested positive, and then also the news out of Tampa Bay that multiple Tampa Bay Lightning players have tested positive as well. Yeah. And, I mean, Matthews has been staying, I guess, in Arizona with Maple Leafs goaltender Frederick Anderson. So I'm sure Frederick will be getting tested very soon. Um, and, I mean, hasn't Arizona been, like, one of the worst states? Like, I haven't really been up to date on it, but I, I know some of those southern states have been really bad. So if that's where he's been, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, you're predicting, which is, you know, I don't see how it wouldn't that this will now delay things because up till today, the the latest news was July 10th or yeah, July 10th is is when training camp starts. Yeah. But but then you ask the question, well, how the hell can they do that now that there's a whole bunch more positive? Well, yeah, and results. like the fact that the Lightning have had to shut down their facilities, so like everybody's getting together skating like a bunch of the flames were together skating so now that one team has to shut it down like i'm sure it's going to delay things like and i mean if you listen to what kevin bieksa was talking about i don't know if you heard that interview i think he was on like sports center or something he was talking about not even just like covid but like all the logistics and stuff he was pretty skeptical that it's going to happen at all so who the hell knows he was talking about like player related revenue how that's going to work how how they're going to split revenues and stuff like how the contracts are going to work so i don't know man it's kind of getting like who knows. Yep. Yeah, it will be interesting. 
because you you kind of think like if one player has it, they're they're not going to move forward, or like how does that work? Yeah, I have no idea. Like it's a, it like they the Lightning again. They have players and staff now testing positive. They release a statement, um, and again, there's this whole asymptomatic thing now. But like, who knows? There's still so much unknown. So I I I'm, I don't know if they've actually announced that it will delay phase two, but I'm pretty sure if they haven't announced it, it will be delayed phase two because the asymptomatic thing that was the who that just came out with that like last week right yeah it was like last week they they came out with that with that report that is like if you're asymptomatic not necessarily a danger to spread it or something i i haven't read i i remember seeing it but i didn't really look too much into it so i don't know if that's going to change things um but shit man i i think this news is yeah like this is gonna this is gonna change things for sure right like how wouldn't it I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess it's just it's day by day. Cause like what's what will happen next? Probably by midweek next week the NHL will probably come out with another update as far as how they're gonna move forward. Right? Well, I think they're probably gonna have to come out if this news just came out today, like two hours ago the lightning made their press release and like I feel like they'll probably come out today. Like I would not be surprised. I mean, Elliot, t- Elliot Freeman response. tweeted that there'll there'll be a more uh, better idea of the scope and impact over the next few days. Um, so well, the thing is, it's already it's already six Eastern time on Friday. Yeah, I guess. What are they supposed to do? They're like, we're packing Sunday. it in. Yeah, Batman's already they're kicking. <laughs> Batman's back been at home bed. for like three and a half hours. He's like, I'm not dealing with this shit. He's already like three margaritas deep. He's not gonna. What do you think he drinks? Does he? Conference. What do you think he eats? Does he just like? Does he just like literally like he's like that guy in Men in Black? Like Gary Bettman is like just a biological like he's he's like a single celled organism as far as I'm concerned. I guarantee he just has like spoonfuls of like sugar and then like just like branch chain <laughs> powdered amino acids and that's like all he eats. No, he's. He's got like some sort of sugar drop dispenser at his <laughs> yeah. at, at the ready at all times. He'd be like the guy just, who's like, just, and he and he literally sucks it right out of the machine. Yeah. He holds his yeah. lips right up to it and that's, sucks what I was gonna it right say that's how he that's how he sustains himself. Like when you see future alien movies and like food is like either pills or like through an IV, it's like guaranteed Gary Bettman is like reptile man already doing that. Absolutely, yeah. Some like one of these screenwriters. Spent some time at Batman's house, and that's where they come up with these ideas. Right? Yeah, that's a super. He's the a super villain waiting to happen. Fiction. I swear to God, he's he's a super the villain truth. waiting to happen. Yeah. Anyways, all right. I don't well, know the the. We'll just see. I mean, could this gear get any weirder? Like, should I even say that? No, don't. It probably say will. It. Fucking Beetlejuice. Watch, shit. it's gonna get weirder. Beetlejuice. Just when you shit. thought it couldn't get any weirder, you wait a week and it gets weirder. Well, yeah, I. All right. It's it's gonna be tough to say if there's if we're gonna see hockey this summer. I don't know. This kind of sucks because we're coming on here to do a in depth balls to the wall Jets Flames preview, and then we just you know see that Austin Matthews tests positive and the, some Lightning players and staff too. So lame bummer. I don't know. It's gonna be weird. It's it's weird. I'm sick of trying so, to predict okay, what yeah. happens. Now, when they first shut down. Like who was who tested positive then? Because remember there was there was someone or a couple of guys or maybe they said it was the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, right? I don't think they released who it was, but it was a few senators for sure. Um, 
Because you would think they would look to those players and just see, like, yeah, they obviously have been tracking them to see, you know, they're obviously fine. Otherwise, we would have heard about it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the players so much at risk because their immune systems are so strong, but it's it's obviously containing who they might affect. Yeah, I don't know. Because remember, there was the Ottawa Senators, and then there were some Colorado Avalanche players too. And then I think maybe that was it in terms of like multiple players on on the same team had been reported. So it's been like Ottawa, Colorado, and now Tampa Bay. So I think there was a Bruins player. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Benton's like, fuck it, we're, mo- we're moving forward. Dude, I was just going to say that. If. If you tested positive, you're ineligible yeah, to play. Yeah, like I was just gonna say that. I was like, what if they go ahead and it's like, if you, if you, like, if the Leafs have to play without Austin Matthews, <laughs> like maybe guaranteed, is that a possibility? <laughs> guaranteed, if that happened in three years, like scandal comes out, like all these teams cheated on their testing. Oh and, no, like, shit, eh? Oh, guaranteed. Turned out like killed everybody or Can something. Can you imagine? Here's what would happen. The Oilers would, like, win the cup because, like, everybody except McDavid and Dreisaitl would test positive. So it would just be like they'd go six. They'd go. They'd sweep right to the cup and win. It's just like a three-on-three tournament. Yeah. And anyways. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Flames and Jets. Flames and Jets. Deep dive. Because, like, I think even if it's delayed, I still think this is going to happen. Right. Well, they, yeah. Right. Like, I guess it depends how long it's delayed for. I guess if it's, del- if it's if it's delayed till October, they're just gonna start the next season, no? Maybe I don't know. Like, I guarantee you, they have like actuaries and data scientists and all these kind of guys doing projections like daily financial projections. Because yeah. I think I guess the good news is I've somebody just DM'd us actually on Instagram that some of the rugby leagues have started right. yeah. pl- play already with crowd noise and whatnot. It's working. I mean, so there's a model out there that some leagues are already doing. So, I mean, if you're in another league, you can look to that model. Yeah, totally. just see, like, obviously, there's no way that entire league, everybody's doesn't have it. Yeah. Like, somebody's got to have it. Exactly. So what do they do? So, and, and the other thing enough, is, too, like, COVID. yeah, like, they will have a. Pro- I'm sure they have an exact date of like not an exact, but a ballpark date of like okay, when if we can't get going by this date, we have to just pull the plug. And again, like I'm sure, I'm sure it's Gary Bettman for Christ's sake. He's got so many nerds just like in an office in New York running financial simulations. Like okay, what what track is gonna lose us the least money? Guaranteed, that's what's gonna happen. So whatever they do is the is gonna be Guaranteed. based on. The late, the least amount of money they're gonna lose, I think personally. And as a fan, that's usually I think that's gonna work out in our benefit. Because if it comes to October and they are like, yeah, we're gonna make more money if we have a mini tournament here for the Stanley Cup now, and then split the season, I think most people would be stoked with that. Have a little Stanley mini Stanley Cup in September, October. I, I, I think that still would be really cool. So, I mean, we waited this long. We can wait a little longer. Yeah. All right, let's go. Flames and Jets, baby. One more thing. I can't remember who it was on Instagram. I should probably look. But um, they were saying that in the in this rugby league, they have the crowd noise, which is working, and then they have, like, cardboard cutouts of people in the stands. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. And you could pay, you could pay like, 22 bucks or something like that to have your oh, own Oh, shit. That's kind of sweet. I like that. So it's like there's some revenue uh, stream available there. 
But I was just like, imagine if, you know, we did like a crowdsource and we just got like all Chucky cutouts for the Edmonton games. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or who would be the be- the worst guy to get? If you just got like, oh man, there'd be so many good ones. Well, I, I would just get that. I would just get a bunch of McDavid's like, you know, after that one game where he was like sick, you know, he's always all red and sick looking and sickly. I just get a bunch of those. Yeah. That's sweet, though. All right, let's do it. Flames, Jets. COVID, Flames, Jets. On, Flames, Jets. Flames, Jets. Let's go. And I mean, we okay. we did a brief little we did a brief little preview last time, but like now it's real deal time now. It's real deal. We and you we know touched what? on it. Nothing. I'm really excited what? for this possible series. I think the Jets and the Flames. Like I know everyone's like, oh, Battle of Alberta, Battle of Alberta. I th- I I think this is a great matchup. I love matchups that don't happen very often, because like even before the Jets moved. To Phoenix, like the Flames, and they've only I think '87 was the last time. So it's not like these guys have a history. But I I love it. I love these new playoff series. I don't like seeing the same old. Even the fact that the Battle of Alberta. This is not the year for the Battle of Alberta to happen with all the weird shit that's going on. We don't want that. We don't want it to be like an asterisk year where we play the Edmonton Oilers. No, we want it to be some normal. Exactly. No taint. No taint. (laughs) We want it to be normal. So I'm totally stoked for this matchup. Well, and if you look at matchups as a whole, like, and biased aside, is this not one of the best p- potential matchups you see in this first round? Oh, and I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. I like, even if you weren't a Flames fan, I think this is probably, it's it's the closest, I think, in terms of, like, who's going to win. I have no clue. Like, yeah. we touched on it last time. Like, I'm pretty sure the Flames were, like, one one-hundredth of a percentage point better than the Jets. I mean, I think they had less points, but one more uh, one less games play, game played. So, I mean, you cannot get any closer than these two teams. Like, it's literally like, what's a sliver? Sliver, I was going to say sliver of a hair. That doesn't make sense. Sliver close. It's as close as a sliver. Yeah. What is the goddamn sliver saying? I don't know my sayings, but it's close. I've never heard of that one. Close, sliver, sliver, I, close I think that's a, sliver a, that's a by a hair. I think that's pro. That's probably a Didsbury thing, eh? That's a that's a small town Alberta phrase that I don't even know. So, so if I look at at the two teams, to me, as a whole, the Flames are the better team on paper. Yeah, I agree. But it's not a mass, a big margin. It's a, it's more than just a slight edge. I'd say they get the edge. They're the better team. They're more well-rounded team on paper. Yeah. Um, but then obviously, who like what does that mean? That didn't mean Dick for all season. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like. If you look at the trends, um, the Flames are definitely more so on the trending up, whereas the Jets are obviously trending down yeah. based based on you know previous year's success. Um, and then we also touched on this last podcast, which is like the Flames have underachieved massively this year, and the the Jets have overachieved with their the decimation of their blue line. Yeah. So I don't know. To me, it's a very intriguing intriguing series, and I'm this is totally biased aside like i think this is gonna be a good series this could easily go five games oh absolutely five games it sounds so weird but yeah like right? totally like i i i totally agree with the flames being better on paper and i mean when you look at the actual numbers versus the underlying numbers like the flames underlying numbers are better but the actual numbers like they're so similar so to me the flames do have the potential they do play on a night-to-night basis a better brand of hockey. They have better players. 
But again, how many times have we said that about the Flames? Like, I mean, this is a team that was second in the goddamn league last year and got crushed out of town by the Avalanche. So, I mean, again, this their better on paper thing, eventually it's got to translate into, yeah, they're better on the ice. Yeah. And I don't know. I just have, like, a good feeling. Do you know what I mean? No, I totally like, know last what you year mean. Did, last year, I did not have a good feeling. Last year, uneasy, it was like, yeah, an uneasy. Like, men. Mentally, I wanted Colorado, but I didn't. I didn't feel like good. I don't know why. I just feel good. Yeah, I know. It was like sometimes when you like see it in your mind's eye. I don't know. That's how I kind of watch hockey, especially when I'm like, you just get that like I don't see the Flames winning this series. I had that with the Colorado series, like totally in the back of my mind. I was like, fuck, yeah. this is just like. And then as soon as Tampa got swept, I was like, fuck, this is not the year. But I have a good feeling about this year, like totally. And I mean, like. I've said this a hundred times. Everybody keeps saying like, yeah, but heli buck, heli buck. But I mean, something as like, something as combustible and changing as goaltending, like I really don't think it's going to be like, it could be the, it could be the deciding factor, but I don't think it's going to be like the flames lose solely because Connor Hellebuck was like absolutely godly. Although I will say yeah. that does happen to the flames on a night to night basis quite a lot. It's like, Oh, yeah, wow, that goalie was it? so good. But over five games. Yeah, and when that does happen, when is it actually the goalie? Yeah, exactly. It's more like it's that Glenn Gulletson like, night where make, they had 40 lame-ass yeah. shots. We usually make perimeter shots. It's like, come on, did you generate yeah. any like any chances in front? Did you really? You made him look good. Yeah, totally. So, hey, if we make him look good and people call him the deciding factor, I won't be surprised. I mean, we've been doing it all year. But to me, that doesn't mean that he won the series. Yeah, if the, fl- if the Flames lose... Yeah, we lost exactly. You, if, if Connor, if you say Connor, if you go through the series, if we're in the future and the Flames have lost and people are saying, yeah, Connor Hellybuck was great, that's why the Jets won the series, I would be like, yeah, the Flames just didn't play good enough. Because if Connor Hellebuck alone wins this series, like, I still think that will mean the Flames didn't play up to their potential. If if that is the truth that he wins a series, that means he's having like a Patrick Waugh, J.S. Shiger like outing. If he le- yeah exactly, if he and legitimately which, which wins, would mean, which would mean that the Jets become instant Cup favorites yeah. because that means they have the hottest goalie in the world. Exactly, playing just about as good as goaltending as anybody's ever played. Yeah, like that's how I look at it. Same. If that's like, how good he would have to play in order for him to actually win the series for the Jets or the Flames. One hundred percent. If there otherwise, was... it's just one. Otherwise, it's just a case of like, yeah, we actually beat ourselves. Yeah, game. exactly. Which, hey, we did it like what sixty percent of the games this year. So and it's all the time. It happened in the playoffs last year. Like, was Philip Grubauer lights out? Fuck no, no, he wasn't. I didn't even. I honestly, I kind of as soon as I said Philip Grubauer, I was like, wait, was he actually the goalie last year? I don't even remember. Right, like that's how forgettable a goaltending performance. So, like, if Except the Flames, Mike Smith was, huh? Mike Smith was pretty unforgettable. Eh, fuck but that. <laughs> as much hey, as much as we hate him, I will give him credit. I'll give him full for credit did, for showing up at least. You know, he played as good as we could have wanted a goalie to play. Yeah, exactly. And he showed up, unlike a lot of the other guys on that team. Which you know what, you got to give him credit. So I mean, again, which we'll get we'll get to today. We're gonna go down the roster and just kind of yeah predict who we're gonna see out of out of who. And then I feel like while we're, we're on the goaltending thing with Hellybuck, like obviously that's gonna be a talking point going into the series. Is the Flames? I guess you would call it weakness in goal. Would you call it a weakness? I don't know. Like I've always been a goalie's voodoo guy, 
And I mean, if even if you look at the last, like look at the last 10 Stanley Cup champions, very few of them, maybe outside of like Washington. And I remember even Washington didn't start Holtby that year. Do you remember that? So like, I, I, I never put... I think, did they start him and then they, they quickly went? I think, with the other I guy? think they had Grubauer that year and they, they either started yeah, Grubauer yeah, they, and went to Holtby after they did. two they, games. They did start him. Yeah. Yeah, they did start him. And it was controversial and then they went down like two games, right? Yeah. And then they end up winning the Stanley Cup. And then, I mean, you look at the, all the cups Pittsburgh has won with Matt Murray or Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, it's replaceable. You look at all the cups that the Chicago Blackhawks won with with subpar, I would call it replacement-level goaltending. So just like, I, I just think people are putting maybe a bit too much stock into this. Oh, they've got Hellebuck and we have Riddick and Talbot. It's like, I feel like Riddick and Talbot well, have been fine this year. And here's the thing. If you're to want to talk about voodoo, this is why it's voodoo. Because rate, we're not even, the series hasn't even started yet. And now so much of the series' weight is being placed on Hellebuck's shoulders. We're already off the bat. Yeah. So if he doesn't live up to that expectation now, then what? And typically that's when and where the whole goalie thing gets voodoo is like, oh shit, I guess he didn't actually you know, live up to the bill, but holy shit, this other goaltender, David Riddick or Cam Talbot, do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Maybe that, maybe that's why we have a good feeling about it too, is like there's no pressure on either David Riddick or Cam Talbot, like zero. No, like literally not, none. But now, but now Hellebuck has all the pressure already going to the series, and we don't even know when that series is going to be played. Like it's so far off in the distance, yet the whole weight of the series is already on his shoulders. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, personally, because I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, well, what would have to happen for the Flames to win? What would have to happen for the Flames to lose? And I was like, well, if there's goalie drama, does that mean the Flames are in a bad spot? Like, I don't think so. Like, I think if you see both Riddick and Talbot in this series, like both of them play games, I still don't think that is going to be a big deal. Like, unless they, unless Jeff Ward pulls the Glenn Gulletson thing and leaves a guy in way too long, which who knows? Maybe he will. Yeah. But I mean, if you see Riddick, if let's say Riddick starts game one and he doesn't play that great, I'm I don't think it's end of the world if you see like, I I think yeah. if either of these guys plays, I it, I don't care at this point. I don't think it's a indicative well, of like, oh yeah, the series has gotten away from the Flames because they had to switch goalies. It's like that's the gamble you run when you go with a one A one B type situation. Yeah, and as a whole, I really don't see us getting anything less. Than slightly above average goaltending. Yeah, which it's been like all year, right? It's been like yeah. slightly so like, above and below average on a rolling basis. They're not going to be any worse than that. Exactly, and I mean like so to, so to me the ceiling or the ceiling's high for our goaltending situation. We can only really go up from what we've seen all season. And I mean Riddick, you look at Riddick, you look at when he's been good in his in his sh- like relatively short career. It's been when he's been rested and healthy. From all reports, he was he's kind of recovered from that injury, right? Like they haven't come out and explicitly well, this, said he's this. fine, but and this came out what like last week. Jordan Siglet mm-hmm. basically said the last before the we went into COVID break, Riddick had been battling some sort of elbow injury or something, right? Yeah, was it elbow? Yeah, I think it was elbow. It was so elbow there, then again, you get that's when he was really struggling. I think when Cam Talbot was kind of taking more of the games for a bit. Yeah. That's probably when he was injured. And then he was coming back from that playing and it was still nagging him a bit. He wasn't great, noticeably. 
But like you said, the best we've seen Riddick is a healthy, fresh Dave Riddick. Which so. he will be. And I mean, again, like Cam Talbot, this is a guy, I we reference this a lot, is like, this guy played like 70 plus games that year and took the Oilers almost to the the Western Conference final in, I think it was 2017. He's got, if, if you put any stock into playoff experience, he's got it. He's been there. So t- two questions for you then. Who do you feel more comfortable with between the pipes and who would you start between the pipes? Because they could be different people. I personally would feel, okay, this season, I would go Riddick in both cases. I, you feel a bit more, yeah. I think like I don't I, think there's. We I think just based on what we just said, I think we know Riddick well enough that that's why we would start with him in this situation because he's going to be rested, yeah, and fresh and healthy, and, and he's probably better the better goalie in that situation. Exactly, and we've seen like David Riddick like say we will about the guy. Sometimes he's been up and down, but I mean like during this break we've kind of just been like watching a lot of highlights from this year there's a lot of big games this year where he has been the difference like the guy like i'm specifically thinking about that dallas game where it's like they're in overtime this guy stops tyler sake or alex radulov on a penalty shot with like five seconds left and then stops the shooters in the shootout and the flames win the shootout like yeah i don't know like i think that's something and i'm not a big like intangibles guy but i mean like i feel like that's something the flames need in the playoffs is a guy who is like I'm going to, like, you know, he's got that crazy David Riddick fire. Like, he's fired up. He's so competitive. I think that will help. Yeah, he's a gamer. I think they need more of that shit. Regardless of your skill, he's a gamer. He's in the game. Yeah. You know that he wants to win. He wants, he, look at the guy. He wants to win he more, just winning. as much, if not more, than anybody on that ice. And I think that's, a, that's a yeah. guy, if, if Brad Tree Living is basing his team on that philosophy, and that's what we've heard from drafting to trade to player acquisition, then David Riddick is your guy in that is is one of the guys you'd want on your team in the playoffs. A guy who wants yeah. nothing more to win than to win. So I would go Riddick in both situations. Um, just be, yeah, I I would especially coming off like last year. I we both thought he should have got the start. I don't know. I still think obviously Smith played great, but I still think would what they. I don't think the series would have fared any differently if Riddick had been in net. Like maybe even win one more game. So I think this guy's got a lot to prove. I I think he's the better goalie. Like, guy was an all-star this year. It's like, I mean, I know it's pretty much meaningless, but I'd go Riddick. Riddick's your guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to agree. And I think part of what we want to do today too is is going a little bit of prediction of what we're gonna think we're gonna see out of some players. Yeah. Who do you think wins the goaltender matchup in this series? Not based on going into it, who's better, this and that on paper. Who do you think will be the better goaltender in this series? Oh man, tough question. I I'll, David Riddick or Connor Hellebuck? I'll go. He- you know what? Is it Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, Connor. God damn it! You know what? I'll go. I'll go Hellebuck just because, like, he's been so good this year. Like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> like David Riddick because Hellebuck sucked last year, and he's like, he's had a great year this year. But I mean, like, he could come back down to earth with this break. Like a, a lot of the guys who are rolling this year, this break could be bad for them. So you know what? I'm going David Riddick. David Riddick wins the goaltending battle. He's the better goaltender. You? Okay. I'm going to second that. I'm going to say it's close. I'm going to say it's like 51-49, but the slight edge of the series, who is the better goaltender, is David Riddick. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. Close. It's going to be close. And again, like I don't think unless 
this really comes down, unless it, like, I don't think the difference is going to be t be between if David Riddick outplays Connor Hellebuck. Like, obviously that could be a minor part of it, of whether the Flames win or lose. But I don't think it's going to be the deciding factor, right? Like, again, no, if the, if, I don't think so. So much emphasis is already being placed on that. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I don't see it. I mean, when we don't have, knock on wood here, issues scoring on good goaltenders. Like we touched on earlier, it's when we can't penetrate the slot. Like, that's the only time we never can score. Yeah. And we make goalies look good. Maybe it's out of Ben Bishop. He kind of like, he's a goaltender that would probably scare me. And maybe I just haven't seen enough of Hellebuck, but honestly, I, I'm not really scared of Hellebuck going in. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, too, like, the Flames have only played the Jets once in the outdoor game this year, so we don't really have a lot of reference from this year to base it on. But, I mean, yeah, you know what? Like, again, like, I would be shocked if the difference in this series, if the, if the meta difference, if the sole, like, takeaway from this series is this goalie was better than the other goalie that would be pretty surprising to me like maybe because it's going to be so close but i mean i still think there are like bigger like this there's bigger issues at hand than who's going to win the goaltending battle unless one guy is just yeah. so bad that it loses it for you but i still don't think that's going to be the problem i don't think that will be the problem goaltending will be key but it might come down to who can generate more offense exactly so perfect segue who's got like you know, like who's going to be able to score more, I guess, pretty simply. Well, and you can't really look, you can't really go to answer that question from our end of things if you don't look at our D, right? Because our D need to shut down their their offense. Obviously, we have on paper, like we said, the better defense core. Yeah. And that, if there's any one weakness of the Jets, it's their defense. Dude, it's, it's a, so, it's I don't a know. tire you fire looked back at, there. Have you looked at metrics comparing our decor to theirs? Um, analytically speaking, you know, can you pull up anything there? Well, in terms of like defense, like team defense, like, I mean, they are pretty terrible. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. like, they're, I, I was looking at their, um, their shot attempt metrics. Like, they're pretty bad. They're one of the worst possession teams in the league, according to Money Puck. And I mean, even if you look at their expected goals for versus the expected goals against, like they're they're probably the worst team currently right now. Money Puck has the Jets per sixty minutes expected goals against per sixty minutes two point seven five, whereas the Flames would be two point three eight. So, okay, and what's they're, the they're pretty bad. I mean, the average the Flames are about average. The Flames are like right okay. in the middle of the pack. So I mean, yeah, that sounds about right. The the Jets don't generate a lot. And they certainly aren't very good at defending. So, I don't know. Like, and that's one thing that I think is a factor for me going in. Like, now we're talking about the defense. Is Mark Giordano. Because I don't think, I'm just thinking of playoffs past. I don't think he's ever had a playoff to ride home about where it's like, wow, Giordano was really good that playoff year. Because, again, like, that's true. people always rip on Monaghan and Gaudreau specifically. Oh, they sucked this playoffs. They didn't show up. I mean, did you even know Mark Jordan? I know he had a handful last year with Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon pretty much skated around the entire defense on the Calgary Flames last year. That was in Mark Giordano's yep. Norris Trophy winning season. The year previous, pretty forgettable. You get swept by Anaheim. Like, I don't know. Like, Mark Giordano probably needs to score more, and he probably needs to be a better all-around player for the Flames to do anything in the playoffs. Yeah. And then second to that is like he needs to lead that decor to be better as a whole. 
well, than what we've seen this regular season. Last year in the playoffs, like I would say, outside of being out coached, like that defense got absolutely like we just said, McKinnon made that defense his bitch. Like they got decimated, and I know it wasn't just Giord- it wasn't just Giordano and Brody. Like Hammond and Hannafin were absolutely terrible. It's been well documented. So like that whole defense, that top four got wrecked last year. Like I mean, they were allowing like fifty plus shots a game. It was insane. Yeah, that was it. Was it was, and it wasn't like we were getting peppered from everywhere. It's not like the, Colorado was held to the board, the outside of the ice. Oh like, no way! They were getting. Cr- there were so many high danger chances. It was ridiculous. There was a lot of perimeter shots, but there was a lot of high danger too. And I guess Giordano. It's kind of funny because that one that one season they actually went to the second round. Giordano was hurt that year. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah. So I yeah I'm like kind of talking about talking about this. It almost seems to me like like we said a lot of the emphasis has been put on goaltending so far. Yeah. But maybe the biggest wild card in all this is really what does this rest and this break do to the key players in this series? Like is Giordano because of his age is he going to benefit from having this rest going into this going into this playoffs yeah yeah i agree or or not and same thing is like mark is mark shifley well is a well is a well-rested mark shifley like scarier than like in middle season form i don't know and i mean say what you will about what momentum or whatever but i think one of my main points of like okay here's how the flames can win is is the kachuk backland manji penny line going to continue their dominance because when right before the season was shut down, that line was unreal. Yep. They were the team's best line oh. by far and one of the best, if not the best in the league heading into the break or into the shutdown. So can they pick up where they left off? Because, like, I mean, if you look at the Flames' historical weakness, it's been depth up front. So, like, if those guys aren't firing... The Monaghan line's not firing. That's series over as far as I'm concerned. So I think one of the main X factors in whether or not the Flames can win is is that 3M line, that new 3M line, coming, like, are they ready to go again? Yeah. Without them, we might be fucked. Oh, totally. They're and the most important probably, line on the team. Probably, probably the X factor within the X factor, the emphasis is on Backland. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm more concerned, more concerned about how he's going to start off than I am the other two. Like, well, I kind of feel like... Matthew and Andrew will probably just pick up right where they left off, but well, you know the other two able... have played great all season. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Backlund, they, their had consistency real, hasn't been like, an issue. Yeah, exactly. Backlund really struggled, and I mean, part part of it was because he wasn't playing center for half the goddamn year, where he's yeah. so stupid. But I mean, he's he's kind of like analytically speaking, he's fallen off a lot the last couple of years, especially defensively. So, where Michael Backlund is at, it's a great point. Like, is he going to be at the top of his game? Hopefully. I don't know, though. He was just starting to get rolling. Now, we have to bring this up, even though it seems like we're kind of jumping around. But if I look at this Jets lineup, their their top six is pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Their, their top six is scary. Their bottom six doesn't scare me at all. Their bottom six is pretty so, gross. So, then, to me, it comes down to the coaching is going to play a big part in this series. Yeah. Because how do you, if you're Jeff Ward, how do you game plan on, on playing against that top six? I mean, they, if you can shut them down to like, to a certain extent, obviously they're going to score goals, especially if they're getting power play time. 
But if you can contain them, which you failed to do against Colorado horribly, then you probably have the upper hand on the offense. I don't see the Jets being able to contain our offense the way we could contain their offense, especially with the 3M line. Well, especially like, with... Would you, would you match up 3M line with, with the Shifley-Wheeler line and line? I probably Are would. line, those three? Like, I, uh, I think it's Kyle Connor with Shifley and Wheeler, and then they put line A with Ehlers and Cody Eakin, I think, is... Yeah, you're right. So a top line on... on Which is a hell of a top off. line. Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, dude. And is I that mean, one of, that's probably, Nick, yeah, Nikolai Ehlers is one of the most underrated wingers in the league as far as I'm concerned. Like, personally, right now, if you're talking player for player, I'm probably taking Ehlers over line A right now. Like, I, he's a good player. So that that's a solid... I mean, they're pretty weak up the middle, but I mean, so are the Flames. So yeah. I don't know, like... And they got they got Eakin, man. That guy's a gamer, too. The question of who do you play the because th- I remember yeah I remember last year we were kind of frustrated I don't know because it was it was kind of like a double edged sword because all through the season what was the takeaway from when the Flames played the Colorado Avalanche the Backlund then Froelich Kachuk line dominated the McKinnon line they shut them down and they scored against them but then come playoff time we well, were like that. W- the 3M line that last season would have been the source of McKinnon's meltdown, would it not have been? Oh, yeah. Remember that game where he's telling Benner, he's like, do your job. He had a fit on the bench. Like, that was solely due to, like, the 3M line completely shutting him down and turning it around and scoring. They dominated possession against him. So I remember heading into the playoffs, we were, like, super confident that they could do it again. But then I remember we were kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just biased against Bill Peters. But I remember specifically, I was like, he's trying that matchup too hard, and it's fucking up Kachuk and Backlund's ability to score. Well, I think, yeah. The reason why I think that happened is, like, they got too focused on shadowing them. Yeah, it was like, it was like, he was blind matching too much. They were too focused on defending them. Yeah. Instead of winning the Corsi battle. Exactly. Like they they were they were just trying to shut McKinnon down. I mean, easier said than done. And I mean, of course, that's what you have to do. But it's just I found watching those five games, Bill Peters got bested in the line matchup because Jared Bednar was just rolling his lines, and Bill Peters was like every time McKinnon was on the ice trying to throw the backlink Chuck line out against them. And then yeah. when you factor in that Johnny Amani couldn't score, like that's a recipe for beating the Calgary Flames in the playoffs. So that's why I said off the top of this this little uh, side conversation is. The 3M line is one is probably the biggest factor in this. If they yeah. can be as dominant as they were heading into the shutdown, then I like our odds. Because if they can, A, if they can beat the Jets' top line possession-wise and drive play the other way against the Shifley-Wheeler-Connor line, which will be a hell of a task, if they can do that, we win this series absolutely no problem. Yeah. So then, secondary to that, I mean, we are jumping all over the place, but that's okay. It's going to yeah. all come full, full circle. The penalty kill is huge because I agree. If if I'm Jeff Ward, my matchup goes, I'm matching the 3M line up with Connor Shifley-Wheeler. Yeah, me too. And even if even if we lose, probably what I ask of them is they win the Corsi 4. Even if if they generate more high-danger scoring chances and they get outscored, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because they're a better line. They've got more skill anyways. But if we can don't, if we can, if that... 3M line can beat them in core C4. I think they'll generate enough offense to contribute with the secondary scoring for the Flames. Well, yeah, and like I think the flip side of that is 
I think the 3M line now with Andrew Mangiapane is better than last year. So I'm a little more confident yeah, that they can generate more offense. They can drive play even better. Plus, like you said, they they figured out that gel. They gelled yep. this season. Totally. So to me, that's a good sign. That means they, they have chemistry. They know how to play together. They shouldn't. It shouldn't take them long to 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 find that again. No, I I don't think so. Especially like I mean, it's gonna be it's right gonna be interesting to see because I think the guy I'm the most there's I, I I we will talk about Kachuk in a bit, but I think the guy I'm most interested to see how he performs is Mandy Penny because he was probably the best, if not the best, flame on the in the playoffs last year. Like that Ryan Mandy Penny Hathaway line was easily the best line on the team. So, I mean, moving yeah. him up, I'm really curious to see what he's going to be able to do in in, in this series. So, uh, like, again, if the 3M line can do, if they can roll in to this series playing as good or close to as good as they were when the shutdown happened, like, I like our odds. Now, if you're Paul Maurice, you're probably going to try and match up the Shifley line with Monaghan's line. Oh, absolutely. You're going to win that matchup all day long. Yeah, so we don't want that, I think. But if you look at the Jets' second line, I think we match up fairly well. If you take Monty, Lindholm, and Goudreau, I think they win that that Corsi battle yeah. with Eakin, Ehlers, and Liney. I do too. I do too. And I think that's, again, yeah. like, it's kind of funny to be sitting here talking about, like, because I think for most people it's like, okay, what's the number one thing that has to happen for the Flames to win this playoff series? I think most people would would probably point to, well, Goudreau and Monaghan have to show up. But I would say yep. Mangiapane, Kachuk, and Backlund have to be great because that opens up way more for Goudreau and Monaghan. And I think we've seen that a yep. lot this season. We haven't seen dominant Johnny Goudreau or Sean Monaghan. We've seen it in spurts. But, I mean, for the most part, we've seen what we saw in the playoffs last year where they really struggle against other teams' top lines. Like, they, they get yep. pushed around. And only when the Mangiapane, Kachuk... Uh, backland line takes a lot of the hard, tough minutes. Are they allowed to be able to do what they can do? So I yep. think the, the the second hypothesis of Monahan and Goudreau have to be really good follows the first one, which is like, okay, well, Manjupani, Kachuk, and uh, Backlund yeah. have to be really good. And again, that probably takes way too much blame off of Monahan and Goudreau. It's like, well, they should just be good regardless. But I mean, if they're going up against Shifley, Wheeler, Kyle Connor, they're going to get crushed. <laughs> yep, they will. Um, so yeah, I think you're right, man. And then that, that points to this whole thing. It's a team game. Like if, and as a coach, Jeff Ward needs to be able to utilize the proper line combinations so that the team as a whole is set up for success, right? Because if, if you can get that three M matchup against their top line, then that set that bodes well for, for Johnny Monty, yeah. right? It's kind of like a little domino effect. So I think a lot of this will come down to coaching, which which we'll see, I guess. You know, like, <laughs> I guess he's won a Stanley Cup. But, I mean, again, like we've said this a hundred times, last year we probably would have got crushed regardless, but I think one of the main things was Bill Peters' inexperience and inability to get shit done. So, yeah. yeah I, it, like, how – I don't know. He was – I don't know. Yeah, maybe – He was too stubborn. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was Anyways. weird. Anyways. Um, we've beaten that dead horse, <laughs> but then I think, I think here's a, here's another thing. If we're going to see, and here's the other thing is that, well, I got, we have technically we have home ice advantage. So we get last change for three out of the possible five games of the series. 
So it will be interesting to see how the matchup goes with those those top, you know, two lines for both teams. Now, if we do get to see the Monaghan versus the Eakin line, I think those two players will be a very fascinating matchup to watch. Because Eakin has that feistiness. He doesn't necessarily have the size. But if you looked at some of the series in the past, when like the Ducks absolutely bullied up yeah. on Monty and Johnny. Mm -hmm. like They just bullied him to submission pretty much. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because you would think that that's going to be... And who knows? Like, does everybody know how good the 3M line is? Like, are the Jets going to solely focus on Monty Johnny? Probably not. But let's say they become kind of the sole focus. Their focus is going to be to bully him, right? Which, again, to me, sets up well if you're – if you're, what's the coach's name? Not Bilesman. Oh, uh, Paul Maurice. Yeah, if, if you're Maurice and you want to put the Shifley lineup against the Monty Johnny, like those guys – can can dominate them physically. Well, I mean, okay, if you're Maurice and you take that gamble, then you're looking at like again, if the Kachuk line can do what it's was doing, if you match up the Kachuk Manji Penny back in line against the Ehlers Eakin line line, like I mean, I like face I like lining up Matthew Kachuk and Andrew Manji Penny against those guys personally. I mean, Ehlers is really yeah. good, Liney's really good, but I I would take, you know, in the possession battle, I think they could drive play against that line for sure. So it's going to be a calculated risk from either guy what kind of line matchups they want. But I think, like, I think where the series is going to be won and lost, like, again, like, it's tough to say how the Jets, are they going to bully Monaghan? Like, because, again, like, I, I've never been a big proponent of, oh, you need to get bigger. But, I mean, when you watch the Flames get pushed around, but, like, Monaghan and Gaudreau have been beaten Pretty much every way you can, mentally and physically, in the playoffs, from what we've seen from them. It's like if you say that yep. the the Avalanche beat them mentally last year, the Ducks beat the shit out of them physically the couple years previous. Yeah. So I don't see much in terms of the Jets. Like the Jets are not the the Jets now are not the Ducks from two years ago, are they? No. No. So I don't see that. Well, maybe who knows how how the playoffs go, but I don't see that in their game. Um, like maybe if they still had, uh, Buffland and Myers on the back end, where it was like, you had to place, you had to play monsters yeah. in, the, in the offensive zone too. But I don't know, man, I don't see it. So again, this series is probably, maybe, maybe it is going to be won and lost by the, the depth players. That's what tree living has been getting out. Oh, we need more depth. You need guys like Lucic, but I think it's really going to come obviously between, whose top two lines can be better? Is it going to be... And, and again, I don't think it's going to come down to whether or not Gaudreau and Monaghan can get it done. I think it's going to be a combination of whether or not the Kachuk line can get it done and the Gaudreau line gets it done or whether or not Wheeler's line and Line's line are better than those two lines. Like I think it's going to be a combination yeah. of things for, for them to win the head lose. coach, If I'm the head coach, I look at our top two lines in the... In in the lens that we've just been laying out, that's like your one-two punch. Yeah. The way you can line up the 3M line, follow it up on how that frees up the Johnny Money line, that's like your one-two punch, your offensive one-two punch in a game. Totally, totally agree. And I think I think as much as you can without getting into too much of line matching, I think for all intents and purposes, you treat the Kachuk line as your top line. Right? Yeah. Like you 100%. Treat it, it probably is your top line. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
So give them okay, the then, harder minutes, the, the defensive zone starts, and I'd say let them do their thing. Let the Kachuk line do their thing, and I think Johnny Imani will follow suit. I agree. So then, if, if what we're saying is true, and this is a whole domino thing, what role do you see the third line playing? Well, it's because they the, our third line could be a bit of an X factor, depending on how their matchup looks. Well, ag- And if... If our top two lines are going to be matched up against their two top lines for the majority of the series, then I think there's a there is a bigger onus on our third line to be more have, to contribute more secondary scoring. Totally, because like again, like what was one of the takeaways from last year's playoffs was like, holy shit, our third line blew. Like it, what what was yeah. it? Jankowski, Neal, and Bennett. Bennett. And it was so bad. Was good. Yeah, he was good, but I mean, yeah, Jankowski, like, Neil was probably the worst player on the yeah. ice, obviously, and Jankowski it was Jankowski. The fourth totally line. Invisible. The fourth yeah, line was great. Four, with, like, a third of the ice time was contributing more. Yeah. So, I so, mean, if you, if, is, I, I this, just, is this third line improved? Probably. Ryan, Lucic, Dubé, if that's what they're going to roll with. We, we've seen them actually be the best line in a handful of games, yep. you know, in the past, past, you know, few weeks of hockey that we did get to see. Yeah, they are, so they were starting to they were starting to gel a bit. They were scoring a little bit. They were they were pretty okay defensively. I know Dubé kind of had a few up and down games, but I mean for the most part, Lucic and Ryan were have been pretty solid all year. And I and I honestly think if if what we're seeing is this this is a, okay, you have your first mono a mono, which is like the goaltending duo. Yeah, your second mono a mono is how the top you know two lines on each team match up. Then your third kind of tier is like secondary scoring and we're looking more mostly so at this third line and i think the focal point of the third line is gonna come down to milan lucic if he is what this gm the reason why he was so sought after if he is even you know a fraction of that then milan lucic might be able to spark this third line into actually having an impact on us on this series yeah, totally. I mean, is he not the focal point? Like, can you really say it's up to Dylan Dubé? Or it's like, to me, I look at Milan's, he was brought in for this purpose. Yeah, it's a great point because, I mean, Ryan was here last year. He did what he was going to do. Dubé's a rook, 21 year old, pretty much rookie. So, yeah, it's a great point. It's like Lucic is going to be the difference potentially on that third line. Right? And I think if you're looking at the bottom six matchup between these two teams, Milan Lucic has to be the difference maker out of those out of those twelve players. Yeah, maybe a better way to put it is like he w- he could be the difference. It's like he has to be the difference because, like you said, that's what we've been told since from day one since Brad Feeling brought him in. Is like, okay, this guy is gonna pay off in the playoffs. That's why he's brought in yeah. because he's got experience, he's got whatever the grit, all that shit. So to me, it's another, better it's, be another the inter- it's another interesting storyline. And I think what we're, what we're finding here is when we, when we wrap this up all on a boat, at the end of this thing, we're just, there's going to be like five key storylines to watch goaltending duo, have the top two lines from either team matchups roll out. Yeah. And then the Milan Lucic is going to be a storyline because he's going to probably determine how this bottom six matchup is determined. Or he should, like you're saying, he should be the determining factor. He should be if what's what we've been told, 
<laughs> what we've been told is true. And I mean, like, personally, I don't know, like, I guess that I, I personally would have the quote-unquote fourth line ahead of that as the third line. I don't know. It's tough to say. Because, like, the, the, the... Sam Bennett, Jankowski, and Reader. Well, fuck. Fucking Tobias Reader. I, I, I was just looking through lines today, and... How is he still on? He's been fine, I guess. I don't know. But how did he make the NHL? I don't know. Question. <laughs> Look, I don't hate the guy. I know it's just so, fuck, man. You telling me our team's not better with? But like, honestly, honestly, like, honest, Scott, and I know everyone thinks I just hate Lucic because I hate him. But I mean, like, I would legit. I we I've said this since day one. He can do exactly what he's doing on the fourth line. Like, I would legitimately put. Reader in Lucic's spot on that third line, personally. And I know Lucic and Dubé have a bit of a rapport or whatever, but I don't know. Like, I just think a guy who can't move playing with two guys who can skate really well is just kind of, I don't know. I don't see the fit. I don't know. Maybe that's just me getting into the whole Lucic thing. But, and I guess if what you're saying is true and, like, he will be a difference maker, he should be, like, in the top nine. So, I don't know. I just think if you had, if you had Zarnik in the lineup, and you put Zarnik on that third line, and you're rolling Dubé, Ryan Zarnik. I feel a lot better about your yeah. team. You telling me they can't generate like serious zone ozo time, right? Like I'm with that speed with that speed and puck moving ability. Exactly, and I mean Zarnik's an underrated. He's an underrated defensive and offensive player. I think we've only seen him play like ten seconds this year for some goddamn reason. But I don't know, man. Yeah, and he, and he just so happened to score, like, what, six goals in that 10 seconds? Yeah, and then, like, he got sent down, and he scored, like, 28 goals. Well, I don't know what it was, but I remember he had, like, that back-to-back hat tricks or something crazy. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, for me, personally, maybe I'm just kind of, like, misremembering, but I, I don't think the third line is that much better than it was last year. And last year, it was a big disappointment, and last year, it was exposed in the playoffs. So I don't know. That's where I'm. That's where I think. And again, the only reason I say the Flames win that battle is because when you look at the Jets' bottom six, it's even worse. I think personally. So I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to say the least. I guess. Here. I don't really have a point I, on that other than like I don't know what to expect from the third line. Here's why I I really dislike our fourth line. <laughs> what the hell are you do you expect from Mark Jankowski? Like in all honesty, I kind of expect Dick all. I mean, <laughs> I like the guy. I like the guy. We've seen flashes, but like in a series that's gonna be physical, I don't know. You telling me he's gonna? I mean, there's always uns like there's always these unsung heroes. He's always, you know, these these guys that come out of nowhere. Is he gonna be that guy? Mark Jankowski is he's gonna rise to the top here? Well, does he play in the fabric of the game ever? Because you have him, then you have Sam Bennett, the saddest story going in hockey. Yeah. Am I wrong? That is, that is true. That should literally be the title of a book about Sam Bennett. Like, what? why is he wasting away on a fourth line somewhere? So you have Mark Jankowski with the saddest story going in, in hockey <laughs> as far as how this person's been developed and managed throughout his career. And then you have Tobias Reeder now rounding that out. It's like the fourth line of just like misfits. Exactly. It's it, and maybe that's maybe that's maybe the, that plays you know, their favor. The, that maybe that's gives them the magic, whatever, right? But 
I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's such a our fourth line doesn't doesn't fit. The thing that's weird about it, and I think with with like I'm I'm probably kind of lumping Lucic in this too, is like between Lucic, Bennett, Jankowski, Reader, you don't you don't really like it's like they're the difference they make is like null, right? It's like if you look at the shot attempts for and shot attempts against, it's always in like the dull or boring. It's like they don't really do much, but they don't like especially like Reader and Jankowski, it's like they don't do anything, but I guess they don't give up much either. So they're just kind of like there. It's like they're not really doing anything other than like, okay, well, at least they're not getting scored on, right? So I don't know. Maybe that's why I can't get a handle on it. But then you have a guy like Benny who he was easily, noticeably, one of the best forwards last year in the playoffs. Well, that's been his 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 MO, right? That's been his MO. He worked his way up. He worked his way up the lineup in the playoffs. We've seen so him rise to the occasion you, every single year he's, he's been in the playoffs. But he's now he's starting on the fourth line. So I don't know. Like, I hate it. Like, why don't you just trade him? Like, why are you going to... Okay. <laughs> this is obviously... This has nothing to do with the matchup itself. Yeah. But, I mean, we've been going on about this all year. Why the fuck would you hang on to Sam Bennett if he's going to be demoted down to a fourth line role? Yeah, it really doesn't make sense, like especially when get, you had you so can, many needs in on forward, right? You can get value back. Anyways. Well, it's like it's like somebody tweeted the other day. I thought this was a good way to put it. Maybe it's just because I am a not a Noah Hannafin fan. I think, that was, I think you know what you're talking about. I think it was Calgary Trade Central. Yeah, he tweeted. He's like, people are like, oh, it's been five years. Sam Bennett's so old. It's time to move on. But then on the same token, they're like, Oh, Noah Hannafin's only been in the league for five years, man. He's still developing, you know? It's like, give him a give him a chance. It's like, okay, well, I, I know defensemen are difference, at, but still. Well, you know, people people argue that it takes D-men longer to develop, but, like, Kale, what, development Kale Sam, what development has Sam Bennett been given? Right? Like, everyone's like, oh, Noah Hannafin's still developing. It's like the guy has played, like, the most games of any player in his draft year. Like, he's played non-stop since he was 18 years old like he's been put in every situation to continue to develop yeah exactly like power should like he literally not be everything he should be and then you look at sam bennett it's like complete opposite complete opposite he's like been he's like a repressed he's like the he's like a repressed memory the flames have like they just want to shove him down yeah. <laughs> it's like you just want to forget exactly. about sam bennett it's like get the fuck out of here shove you down deep into the depths of my mind and only when he gets oh, traded. And, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just been a what, while. But, what? I mean, I'm still not super confident in our bottom six. I'm still I'm still not sold. And I'm not sold Lucic is going to make a difference. And I, I, I totally understand that he's better than James Neal and all that stuff. But I, I just don't see him playing in a top nine role making a huge difference in the playoffs, personally. I would love to be proved Me wrong. Me either. Same. I'm in the exact same boat. I'd rather see Bennett on that line. Yeah. I'd rather see Bennett on that line. I'd rather see, I would personally rather see Reader on that line because he can actually skate. I'd rather see Zarnik there. On, dude. Dude, like at least the guy can skate and get around. Yeah, but like does it really matter when you're when you're facing the ice? <laughs> Reader's like, like Matthew Lombardi zero. except way worse. He's got zero vision, dude. Zero. Well, and it's like I said, like if you look at all their numbers cuz it's like whenever you check their their shot attempts like percentage, it's like, "Oh shit." That Reader Jankowski line was so good. But then you like look and it's like, oh, they had 
four shot attempts for and like one against. It's like the most low event line in the entire league. Like nothing happens good or bad when they're on the ice. So that's why I'm still not sold on the bottom six yeah. because they just don't do enough. And I mean, you're telling me you're telling me Derek Ryan, Dylan Dubé, and Milan Lucic are going to be like like they're going to be a difference in the series. Like I no. I just don't see it happening. They're not. They might be a, a difference maker in a game. Yeah, like maybe. But they're not going to be a difference maker in the series. Like, and if you look like, at how the Jets' third line is currently, like, and Sam and, Bennett could. Yeah, exactly. Sam Bennett in the proper position. Hundred percent. There you go. Bearing, could have a bearing on a series. That's a really good point. Because, like, again, like we've, for whatever, like maybe Lucic could, because that's what the GMs told us is that we're going to see what, what Lucic brings in the playoffs. But like you know what Derek Ryan is, I, I don't I don't think it's unfair to say like Dylan Dubé is probably not going to be like maybe <laughs> I don't think Dylan Dubé is going to break out and be a superstar in this series. But if you're looking at not places yet. like hey this guy could make a difference in this series, like Sam Bennett is one of those guys because he's proven it and he's done it before. Like he yeah. he was a difference su- maker. Would in, not surprise anybody. Yeah, he was a he was one of the difference makers, if not the difference maker in that series they won against Vancouver when he was a rookie. Like, he was great in that series. Like, it was like, if you talk about the top three players in that series, it's probably Michael Furland, Sam Bennett, and shit, like, Dennis Wideman, probably. But, I mean, he's shown he can be a difference maker. So, I don't know. We'll Mad see. Michael. Hopefully, hopefully, Jeff Ward can, like, if Sam is playing well, I just hope Jeff Ward has the wherewithal and the yeah. smarts to appropriately slot him. Because that's also another thing on my, like, X factors, what will make the Flames win is, like, roster management. Yeah. I mean, he could. I could easily see him replacing Dylan Dubé yeah. on that line. Yeah, for sure. For the playoffs. I could see him replacing Derek Ryan. But probably more so if if Sam's going, they're they're probably gonna swap him and Dubay out. I would imagine. See, my problem is like again, I don't think it's a problem with either of those lines on their own. It's just like they're both. It's too. There's just a gap there. We've said this since the beginning yeah. of the year. Like we're missing a line. Like there, yeah. that's not a third line. That's a fourth line in most on most teams. You have two, and, you have two fourth it, lines. And part of it is the black hole that we can't stop bitching about is the placement of Lucic and Reader in your in the bottom six exactly where they are it's that that goddamn bottom six and again like it wouldn't like when the magic when the backland 3m line is going you don't notice as much but like when backland was struggling and before they had moved manji panty up there it was like holy shit lines two through three are just like ugh. yeah so i don't know it's the age-old problem of the bottom six let's wrap things up with defense i don't think we need to go so much into utilization and and kind of you know how they match up against, yeah no against their decor but i'm well i think what the storyline going into this is if hamannick is healthy who's in who's out um there you got to think Derek forberg's probably bumped down a seventh d man they're going to go eric gustafson with somebody on the third pairing yeah, like... Would you not think that's what they're going to do? I think... You didn't go out and acquire Gustafson just to not sit him. Well, and I think Gustafson is is good. He's an asset. You want that guy playing, right? Like, he's... he Especially when you, your power play has... Like, we, we haven't seen what he can do yet on the power play. And, I mean, they had him on power yeah, play. and, like, are we are we going to? Yeah, who the fuck Has he had really any time? I mean, he's played, what, like, 
10 minutes 10 minutes of power play as a Calgary Flames. Yeah, we've is seen him gonna, we've seen him on enough? power play one like once against Boston, I remember. That's it. That's all we've seen. Yeah. So the fact that they played him on power play one shows me like they're playing this guy. Like he's a good defenseman. Scored 60 points last year. He's a good player. So I think Gustafson yeah. is absolutely in and I think like obviously we would agree that you put Hamannick with him and then leave the Rasmus Hannafin pairing together cuz they've been so good and then Brody and Giordano. Please, God, like, I sw- if we see Hamannick, yeah. I don't even know if I'll watch. If we see Hannafin and Hamannick I might together, boycott, we're done. I might start boycotting the Calgary Flames and it's, if, <laughs> if, they, if they reunite Hamannick. It's like, how could you I be so dumb to do that? They're not, they couldn't. They wouldn't. I'll s- what I'll do is I'll sit there, but I'll have my arms crossed the whole time. <laughs> like, I, it's, like, It'll just be like that. Please, God, no. Yeah, Please, God. God, let's all do a circle prayer right now. If you're listening, just... <laughs> Put a prayer out into the, just, the ethers yeah. that like do some this affirmation. Is not gonna have to happen. Do some again. affirmations, to shit or whatever that's called. You, you know, we have enough other potential combinations if we didn't already. Now we got two more acquisitions. You got enough potential combinations. Yeah. You don't have to keep going it's to the like, fire. Exactly. Like you have so many defensemen. It's like I remember. Was it after the trade deadline? We were like. We were like, eh, on the trades, but we were like, okay, at least, thank God, it means we never have to see Michael Stone ever again. And then the next game, didn't they play Stone? Yeah. <laughs> it was so dumb. Anyways. Like, who, what the fuck? Seriously, it? like, I think, like, Eric Gustafson for, I, I like Derek Forbert, but I mean, Hamannick probably gets, I don't know, Ham, I've kind of eased up on my hate for him. For Hamnick. And it's not hate. It's like he was he was terrible in the playoffs last year. And when he's played this year, he's been terrible. So it's not me hating on Hamnick. It's he's been bad. That's that's all. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think you it's, still go Hamnick. Dude's a, dude, at least he's a he's a warrior, right? Like we said about Riddick yeah. off the top. It's like you want guys in the playoffs who yeah. who are he want plays within to the win. fabric of the game. Yeah. Like he that guy's gonna like if you if there's a if somebody's got a chance to score with like a second left, he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't go in. So I, I don't have any problem with Hamannick in the lineup. It's just like if he and Hannafin are paired together getting second line minutes against the other team's top six, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. And then defensively speaking, there's no better defensive combo than Brody with Geo. They're Kurt. literally one of the best in the league. So then you heavily match them up against the Schaefer line, hey? And then I guess this comes back to the other other piece that we just briefly touched on is if you can win those line comedy or those nine matchups, the top two lines of either either team, mm-hmm. then it's a matter of can you then shut down the power play because their power play is probably pretty lethal with all that upfront power, uh, firepower. Our PK has been pretty decent this year. Yeah, it's been um, not bad. It's definitely like their their penalty kill has sucked like really bad. I think they're like. Un- and how's their how's their power play? Have it's it's super close. Um, tw- for reference, ours is working at twenty one point two four percent. Theirs is working at twenty point four nine percent. So okay, so it's not that it's, it's not as lethal, but it's pretty close. It's yeah. like right in the mi- we both have power plays that are like right in the middle of the league. So yeah, then I would probably heavily match up Geo Brody with the Shifley line. Yeah, no, me too. Right? You or have do to. you no, yeah. Unless unless the three M line is seriously dominating in that series, mm-hmm. then maybe you maybe you want to start matching up Geo and Brody. I guess you kinda of have to see how it goes. You might want to 
Well, I, you, you also have, like, if you, like not that I'm... Because, because if anything, the knock on the, the Monty line is they're not as good defensively. Yeah. So maybe you want to beef them up with Gio Brody, but... Yeah, you, you could do that. the matchups are rolling out. But, I mean, the other thing is, too, you have Rasmus Anderson, and, like, that dude is a beast, so... I, I don't, like, yeah. it seems weird for me to be saying, like, I, I don't mind having, having Hannafin against... I'd rather have Hannafin against the top six than Hamannick. So, I, I Rasmus Anderson is so good defensively. I'm not going to be, like, sh- shitting in my pants if I see the Shifley-Wheeler-Connor line out against Hannafin and Anderson just because I trust Rasmus so much. So, yeah. I, I think, like, the fact that we... If, again, if they don't fuck with the D pairings, the fact that you can throw out Geo Brody... Hannafin Anderson really bodes well. And I think I, I like that's where the Flames have the biggest advantage is in those D pairings, I think. Yeah, I agree. Like espe- so then, especially the like the top two pairings, like it's it's not even close. Like it's not it's not even in the you, same league, is it? <laughs> yeah. Then again, coaching and line management. Yeah. If you have Gustafson with Hamannick. That could be worse than than Hamannick and Hannafin. It could be because so, Gustafson and Hannafin are very similar players in terms of what they do on the ice, how they move the puck, how they play defense and offense. So, so if, yeah, because I think you even said Gustafson was even a little bit worse defensively. Yeah, for sure he was. Yeah, on his isolated impact chart, like Gustafson was worse than Hannafin for sure. Defending, yeah, so that could zone. be scary. Yeah, <laughs> that could be scary, and obviously there's a weakness there that. If you're a coach on either end, you either want to prevent from getting exploited or exploit. Right? Yeah, but I I just that, that the Flames defense like if that is what it is like I and we haven't seen it like that because Hamannick's been out. But I mean that's such a mobile group of defense who can move the puck up the ice and transition well. Like shit, man. That that defense like if you get offense from your defense, you're gonna be good. Like I know we we touched on it earlier, yeah. but I mean if Giordano can chip in a few goals and i mean you get a couple goals in your power play from guys like gustafson i mean even hannafin is showing some promise on the power play like that defense how they move the puck that defense uh it's just it's a good defense maybe i'm overstating it i haven't watched it but just when i look at the jets defense and it's like ugh. it's just everything about that flames yeah. defense screams like yeah that's a good defense especially when they're healthy yeah totally all right. Well, Anyways, anything else you want to, like, that's a good place to end. I think. I mean, it's yeah. covering all the bases. Well, I've got like, I've got like three points on like how the Flames will win this series. Number one, the new three M line continues its dominance five five on five, right? Like, I think that yeah. could be the number one factor. Maybe I'm overstating it, but if that line shows up well, and is as good as they have the, been this season. You're probably going to win the series. The reason why I think that you're right is because the matchup game hinges on how well the three M line plays. Yeah. And that top six matchup on either side is probably going to determine how the series goes. And that hinges on the three M line. Well, and I think too, like, again, like I, I say this often, but it's like, I know Gaudreau and Monaghan get criticized a lot, but we haven't really seen Matthew Kachuk. I know he's only played in two, two playoffs, but we haven't seen him do what he does. We haven't seen him do what he does on a micro level where he takes over games. We haven't seen him yet take over a playoff series, which I think he is going to do a lot of in his career. But we haven't seen it yet. I'm curious to see yeah, like th- if this is the beginning of Matthew Kachuk playoff beast mode, Matthew Kachuk. I think it is, man. So I, I think that'll be a big X factor. If Kachuk can take this series over, the Flames win. 
Yeah. Um, so secondary to that, like, I, Giordano, Monahan, and Goudreau have to be good. They have to be. They have to be. They have to be better than average. Yeah. Like, and again, like they I have said, to be better than, than they have to be better than slightly above average. If if they're good and the three M line is is invisible or doesn't score like they did last year, like I still think the Flames could lose even if Jordan or Gio, Monty, and Johnny are pretty good. They'd have to be insanely lights out to like win the series on their own. But if they are even okay and good and score when you need them to score and do what they can do on the power play, the Flames will win. And then the third thing I got there is the D pairings are managed effectively and the bottom three D are not exposed, like Gustafson, Hannafin, and Hamannick specifically. Because you got three solid top guys. But, like, I mean, I know we bitched and moaned about the bottom six, but if you were playing any other... If you weren't playing the Jets, it would probably be an issue, but I just think the Jets' bottom six is pretty meh too, so it's probably going to cancel out, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I know we talked about it a lot, but... I guess they could get outplayed. That could be a factor. But I just think if the Flames are going to win this series, it's going to be because their top two lines are better than the Jets' top two lines. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. And if the Flames are going to lose this series, I think there's like probably four things that they, they can't score, which happened last year. Nobody could score. Riddick or Talbot really falter or they get outcoached. Totally. So... I'll break it down into storylines. I think your top storyline is, can David Riddick outperform Connor Hollebuck? Yeah. And the interesting, to me, the part about that is who has all the pressure versus who has like virtually no pressure going into the series. Because nobody's expecting... There's there's debates online right now whether who's going to start. Oh, yeah. David Riddick or Cam Talbot. So, to me, there's zero pressure on David Riddick. Absolutely none. I mean, he's signed till next year. Like, there might be more pressure on Talbot individually. Like, David Riddick has dick all to lose in this series. So, to me, that's interesting. And then, obviously, we spent a lot of time on it. Second big storyline is the top two lines and how they match up. Yeah. And, obviously, a lot of the focus is on the 3M line, and there's also focus on Matthew Kachuk. And if he can, if he can go to another level. And I think... We're going to see him go to another level soon. Like, he's already he's already shown, shown it. Like, the guy is unbelievable. Yeah, again, like, he, we've seen him. He's been the best player for the Flames this season when I I think this is the first year in his career where it's like, yeah, he's, he's, the, he's taken over the team. We've said it before, he's becoming the best player. So if, it's, if yeah. he's not going to start, I think we're going to see it this year too. But third main storyline we're gonna we're gonna see just how smart our general manager and magic <laughs> team is based on how big of an impact Milan Lucic has in this series because that bottom six we need to win the bottom six matchup yeah and it's weird because it's kind of like I'm overlooking it because it's like well the flames are better but then it's like then if you actually look at it it's like oh, it's not even that much better is it no on paper anyways shit it should be better. It should be. On paper, we should be better, but based on how this this general manager and the management staff have built the bottom six, it should be better. Well, especially because what they, most... What, sorry. what they did to go out and, and get yeah, that bottom exactly. six... Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. With other options that we would argue are better. 
because they continue to stick exactly with. because when so, the whole fan base and a lot of people are like you need to address this third line that got exposed and this is how they address it and if it doesn't address the problem and part of that addressing is creating another problem with wasting Sam Bennett away on the fourth line so to me there's the storyline there too storyline not found. so much right it's and then to me the other main storyline with is if they put they better not put together the terrifier <laughs> of Hamannick and Hannafin from henceforth if, like, we're just they, calling TF I'll lose all hope for this management staff can you fucking imagine it's like it's probably it's like game one what is like every decision you wouldn't make? Okay, it's like it's game one. They've got like Backlund on the wing, Lucic on the power play, Michael Stones in, <laughs> Hannafin and Hamannick are together. That's like the infinity gauntlet of bullshit, terrible Calgary Flames management. Sam Bennett on the fourth line too. Yeah. And then who knows? Like we're doing this podcast right now, this episode, but. Are, th- are these teams even going to play? Who knows? Who the fuck knows, dude? All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And hopefully we'll be we'll be back. And hopefully, you know, like I'm done. I, I we we were talking the other day, and we're like, shit, we are ready to get back into this. Like the break has been long enough. Like I, it's been kind of nice to have a break, I think. But like, holy crap, I need I need some hockey back like soon. Yeah. The next thing to look out for is probably Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, when the news. How the NHL responds to the new confirmed cases and if if the training camp gets pushed back again. I guess we'll see. Or how they're going to respond to it. 